This is Soccer Better, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. We're Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have way too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the world of critical thinking and the analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. Oh, hi, Laura Ellen. Hi, Liz. Did you ever think we would get to this point? I mean, not based on how I started with Bond goals. Um, this feels very surreal. Just a little surreal. What about you? Yes, it also feels a little surreal, but I'm really enjoying it. And I hope folks who are listening are also enjoying. I am really just loving reading these different articles and thinking about soccer in this way. I don't think, or any even sports in general, because not all of our articles have been about soccer specifically. But um, it's been just really cool to think about soccer in a way that I hadn't before. And so I've, I've actually like really been enjoying it. Yes, I definitely like the format change. Um, I'm glad that we're able to focus and drill down a little bit more. Um, even if the shows are a little bit shorter, I don't think that's a bad thing. Like I just, it feels very complete. Whereas uh, the first season felt like I was all over the place. Yes. All right, well, let's get into it because I really, you picked out this article. Which, I did. Great job because it was a really good one. So the Thank title you. of the article is A Holistic Perspective on Career Development in UK Female Soccer Players, a Negative Case Analysis. And this article was done by Adam Glad- Gladil, Gladil? Um, and Chris Carwood, I'm completely butchering names. They're English, so you would think their last names would be easier for me to say. But also, I'm just really bad at pronouncing things, so it's fine. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, and this uh, research was published in the Journal of Psychology of Sport and Exercise in 2015. So I just want to get that out of the way to make sure we give credit where credit is due. Uh, yes. Liz, why don't you... Tell us a little bit about, like, the overview of this study and what about it was intriguing to you. So the overview is that uh, these researchers came from a place of there isn't a lot of research that really drills down into uh, specifics for uh, career and um, educational development for specifically girl soccer players or female soccer players. So they took a very... Uh, targeted approach to what things do they think will impact those uh, those athletes specifically and I was really surprised by the small sample size which maybe you can explain to me and it focused on um, deep interviews so some of the interviews lasted for you know 45 or 50 minutes some of it was a one-time interview session and some of them were multiple interview sessions that happened until they couldn't get any more useful information which I thought was very interesting because this um, focuses on psychology to a great extent, as indicated by the uh, journal that it was published in, you won't be surprised that they needed uh, a lot of information and they were willing to gather more information and it wasn't, you know, like here's 10 questions and we can get our answers based on that. And then they really drill down into what does the player experience, what is their experience like, what are their friends experience like, whether or not they played the sport, what are their parents experiences like what are the coach experience like and what is the teacher experience uh, surrounding these athletes and how can we take those experiences 
And what do we need to do and analyze and investigate more to create something that gives better outcomes for female soccer players in both their soccer career and their educational choices? Yeah, I think that's a great summary. And I think one of the things that was really interesting about this paper in particular is a lot of times in research just broadly, the things that get published are strategies that work well or um, drugs that have the intended outcome. And so what that then creates is a positive bias in the research that's available for people to read. And so what that means is things that didn't work don't get out to the broader audience. And so this was an example of research that they talked to female um, soccer players who were elite athletes, but then didn't make it to a professional or international, like they weren't playing for the English national team at any, at, you know, any of the youth levels or the, you know, adult levels. And so what they were really looking at were what, what are factors that, um, are related to them not making it versus most of the time we say, okay, look at these like English national team or the U S national team players. Oh, let's learn about their experience. But what they were doing is they were looking at the opposite of that um, and looking at the negative experience, Um, which I thought that was like super interesting. Um, What, what did you think about kind of looking at players who didn't make it to the, the top levels? Yeah, I thought it was very interesting to have these players have a discussion and for the researchers to specifically ask those in their lives, you know, what did you do or what did you think or say to and about these players that may have contributed to this? So one thing they say is like, we did some, we did all of this retroactively. So we weren't asking people in the moment. All of these uh, interviews were retroactively sometime. It was like between one and four years after the player had uh, left the the soccer stadium and you know weren't contributing in that in that kind of career anymore. Um, but it was really interesting to have people who surrounded the soccer players have to reflect a little bit on what they did or said and why they did or said it. And it was very non confrontational, non judgmental, from what I can tell. And a lot of oh yeah, go ahead and explain that. And you know, putting together the connections about why some of these uh, female athletes really dropped out of the soccer career. Um, and it wasn't, it was interesting that it wasn't just, it was never one thing. It was like this culmination of things and you could see the dominoes fall to where they were like, meh. And they just like didn't want to anymore. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So what these researchers did was they found, um, 13 former or female, former soccer players, um, and they did primary interviews with them. And this, these were the interviews that ranged anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And then what they did is they interviewed um, the best friend of each of these players, which I thought like their whole strategy was fascinating. They also interviewed um, coaches for the players. And then they also interviewed um, some of the teachers or tutors for these players. And so really what they were trying to do is get a holistic understanding of what was happening around the player, not just what was the experience of just the player themselves or herself, but what was happening around the player that um, may have contributed 
um, to, or, you know, kind of like what happened surrounding their decision to stop playing. Um, and I thought that was like a very interesting approach. And that's not, that's not something I have seen before. Um, and, and so what they did is they continued doing all of these interviews until no new themes emerged out of the interviews. And this is a very common strategy for um, qualitative research, which is what this kind of research is that does interviews or focus groups or observations. It's a very common thing that once you're not finding out anything new, it's called reaching thematic saturation, um, and then you can stop um, collecting data. Um, so anyway, but all of that to say, they looked at 13 players and they looked at, uh, they talked with people around those players to really figure out what was happening. And this, and then they like talked about the different themes that they found. And Liz, some of these quotes blew my mind. I don't know if you felt this way, but I read some of these quotes and I was like, wait, what is happening? I actually wasn't that surprised, but I was a little bit I don't know, disappointed is the wrong word. I guess sad to see how this would have culminated in other things. But to get to have those quotes and then to back up their theories at the end about what could we do to improve um, because these these athletes were all between the ages of like 13 to 18 years old when they played. So these different support systems were very important. And then when we got to the end about, you know, what do we want to do to help these players um a lot of it was focused on the psychology of things and uh the ability to work through some of those mental barriers which we all know is something i harp on on this show so i felt very vindicated by where we ended up with this paper (laughs) oh so that's why you chose the paper because it supported something you already agreed with no like i just read the i read to be honest this is what happened after the last one i read the um the first half of the introduction and i was like oh this this is cohesive and makes sense i'll I'm willing to read the rest of the paper so i didn't <laughs> know that i agreed with them so much but at the end it really felt like and i think that at the end it helped me to feel like i had more things that i needed to harp on not just everyone needs to have access to a therapist and be able to talk about their feelings all the time and work through some of the things but it gave me some more concrete things to add to that and it really pointed out how me saying that by itself it was probably not as useful as maybe I thought it was because they talk about that in this paper. Yeah, so let's dig in um, to the findings that they share here. Um, So one of the first things that they talk about is this idea that as these um, athletes get older, so um, they really looked at the ages between 13 and 15. So as they were kind of getting toward 15 i'm especially approaching more of what we would think of as like senior so like post 18 this whole identity of being like a normal teenager versus an athlete really became this tension point for these athletes which makes a lot of sense to me i think i was reading this and i was like yeah you know i mean i played high school soccer which is nothing compared to like an elite you know kind of training program where you're constantly there um but i like also i did i was like yes of course there were days that i did not want to go to practice after school and i wanted to like go hang out with my friends or you know go probably get involved with something i shouldn't have you know but um so i thought that was really interesting and something that i found very interesting and maybe like i just did not grow up around the right people or 
right, quote unquote. But there is a lot of drinking referenced in this paper. There is a lot of drinking. That, like, really surprised me. I don't know if that surprised you. Oh, maybe you grew up around more than just, like, cornfields. Because where I'm from, like, it's, you go to Friday Night Football. And I guess you could go to soccer if if that's your game or whatever. But there's nothing to do afterwards. There's no stores open. There's theater, the movie theater is 45 minutes away. But everyone will let you go to your friend's house. And if someone sneaks in a couple of beers or a liquor bottle, then you can get far enough away from the house to build a bonfire and not cause any problems. So it was actually, you weren't, anyways, you weren't drinking to like get totally trashed and like get into a bunch of trouble. Like we didn't do anything dumb. You were actually just, it was a safer thing to do than most of the other things you could have been doing. Like you're just hanging out with your friends around a bonfire drinking. So I wasn't surprised by the drinking. I was like, yeah, I drank a lot. That's fine. Spoiler alert. I was a, I was a heathen. Spoiler I did not drink a lot. At all. <laughs> um, but what I did find interesting also was this change that seemed to happen um, within the span of like the 13 to 15 and even between like 15 and 17, that it was a shift from focusing solely on soccer to focusing on school. And that was like very interesting for me because these are elite athletes that have demonstrated high level of talent kind of throughout their youth and developmental years. And so they're involved with this elite training program and yet you know their teacher like one of the quotes from the teachers was like well you know if they're not on the international team then I encourage them to focus on their education because the chances of them making a career out of this which like I get but this is like the complete opposite of what we were what we read in the in episode one the yearwood paper where all the school cared about was these the the black men, male athletes. All they cared about was that they were athletes, not that they were students. And this is like the complete opposite. So for me, there was like this intersection of gender that I saw in that. I don't know if you saw that, thought of that comparison at all. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if there if um, Dr. Year would have done any research into what those athletes like were like in high school to see if they were trying to discourage from doing this or if they were like, we know that you've got a scholarship and so we don't care about your education. I would be interested to see if it hit the high school years because, I mean, it's very different than once you have a scholarship um, and what colleges expect, especially because this was a college that was so focused on um, spending money on uh, football because it got it brought in so much money. So um, just based on the amount of money they're willing to spend on their coaches and whatnot. So I think it would be interesting to see if if it is a change that happens once you get a scholarship for high school mm-hmm. students. Or if I mean or if that is just an experience that is unique and excessive pressure for black male athletes. Um, that they throughout college and or high school and college, they are uh, pushed into this world where it's all about their athleticism and they aren't even talked about whether or not they concede academically um and so we might you know lose a lot of talent on the academic end because if you're even halfway decent you might get that scholarship so i think it would be it might be a different um feeling for them i i I anticipate they're not getting the same pressures for education that these female athletes were just anecdotally um no evidence but maybe someone should do a paper on it laura ellen because you do research oh well maybe 
Um, yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think one of the other things that really stuck out to me was just the amount of peer pressure that these female athletes reported. And I think because they, right, they talked to 13 athletes and then each of those athletes, they talked to their best friend, um, who was not involved with soccer. And so that was interesting, right? That they had this uh, best friend who was external to this huge part of their life in, you know, in soccer, who was kind of putting pressure on them to be involved in in kind of normal, uh, you know, teenage activities. Um, And I, I found that really interesting. And then how like that intersected with also kind of like their talent level, um, you know, and several of the quotes really highlight that the coaches gave a lot of, um, preference to the, the better players on the team. Um, and so an excessive amount, maybe, maybe I just wasn't as involved in sports to realize that it was such a disparity of attention and, uh, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. Like, but it just, I was shocked by how much those students or those girls who were on the international teams, they were like, yeah, we just were expected to always give them the ball. And the coach gave them all the attention and, you know, gave them all of the chances and, you know, benefit of the doubt. And there was this huge disparity of not only treatment, but opportunities. And I was like, oh, but you're one team. I'm really confused. And maybe it's because I wasn't involved in sports. Yeah. I mean, I think... I think I experienced maybe a little bit of that in high school, but I do think there was to a degree that I also noticed in uh, the paper. Um, there was just this uh, kind of like overwhelming, just kind of whatever whatever you want, right? Like whatever, oh, <laughs> you got drunk last night and you're hungover, that's fine. Can you still play in the game? Which was one of, that was one of the quotes, right? You can still right. play in the big game, right? Oh, okay, great. Which is interesting because I think that also, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a messy fan, admittedly. And right, like you, you hear about these big, um, you know, superstars in soccer being, I don't, I don't, like the term diva but kind of you know you know the coaches have to to go along with whatever the players want um and so it feels a little bit like that but I'm like these are these are kids right like why are you anyway I don't know and then I was talking about um the lack of like psycho psychosocial support and psychological psychological support that coaches give these players which that was just a huge gap to me. I'm sure you noticed that, Liz. Yeah, that one was like my aha moment where I just didn't say everyone needs a therapist. But so the, the portion that we're talking about is that the coaches would often say like, oh, you need to be you know, more aggressive or you need to think more defensively or you need to X, Y, or Z. But they wouldn't tell these athletes how to succeed on that measure so they wouldn't tell them that to be more aggressive what i mean is that you need to tackle in this certain way like you're not doing good tackles or you need to um defend better and to defend better what i mean is i need you to work on you know leg day to jump a little bit higher you're missing those things and they also didn't tell these girls what that meant for the end of their play so if you do these things 
And if you, you know, meet these standards of defense or this aggression that I want you to have, this is what it'll mean for your overall gameplay and why it'll make you better as a player. Um, and they were just kind of left to their own devices. So instead of just saying, I think everyone needs therapy, I need to talk more about why everyone should be able to talk to a therapist on a regular basis and how that can lead to, you know, long-term communication goals and how that can change your relationship with not only yourself, but your boss and your partner, et cetera, et cetera. So that really, really stood out to me. It was a big part for me that I didn't think about how hard it must be for someone to hear you're not doing well and then just basically figure it out. So constructive criticism is a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also important, especially when especially when you're dealing with youth is to really think holistically about um about the person right like it's not just about what's happening on the field but for these kids right this is the time you know adolescence is a huge time of physical and mental and cognitive development for humans period um especially for females as a female, right? Like adolescence was hard. I think we've talked about this. Puberty is hard. Um, Puberty is hard. And it's so hard. Uh, But, uh, you know, but you need people, right? Like you need the adults in your life to understand that it's not just about soccer. It's also about you as an entire person. And I am very much, and I think I, I would think you agree with me, Liz, that I'm very much of the, the, philosophy that if you're able to address a person holistically then their game in soccer is going to get a lot better um i mean i feel like i could go on a very long tangent about that as well to side rail you a little bit and not have a tangent happen i think that this paper also pointed out looking at the support systems holistically was very important so a lot of the pressures that were on the teachers surrounded like test scores and making sure that these athletes Um, had the educational opportunities that they wanted or needed. There was pressure on the parents to, you know, be good parents, to be supportive of their, um, all of their endeavors. There was, there was pressures on the coaches to, you know, help develop these international players, but also to make sure that they had a whole team that probably would win because winning is very important or at least that they were performing to the standards that were set out for them so not only do we need to look at these athletes holistically but if we're going to look at them holistically based on their support system what things do we need to put in place for those support systems and how can we make sure that all of that is lined up so that when you get to the final product which in this case is our female athlete you're at a good place to Um, act in everyone's best interest and I think in this case for me it was act in a way that is um, consistent and cohesive for all of these athletes because if you start saying well you're on the international team so I don't care if you drink as long as you show up to the game or you're not on the international team so I'm barely going to help you and you're just going to get frustrated like you're going to lose a lot of people in gaps that maybe don't need to exist yeah, no, and I think you bring up a really excellent point, and that is that um, I think one of the co- one of the coaches' quotes I think mentioned that uh, it right like having some of their players make it at the international level, having their players make it at the professional level in England, um, 
you know, brings more people in. It brings more money into their program. And so I also kind of like on the flip side of all of, of all of this, I understand the incentives and the pressures that uh, the coaches are under because it's incredibly difficult if you're like, hey, you need to bring in more better, you know, better players. You need to bring in more money, more sponsorships, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, right. And so you have this kind of external pressure as a coach to be like, well, I need to get these kids to perform to the top level. And so that's really what you're focusing on and, you know, may not have the time or the training to focus on, you know, other like cognitive aspects and other social aspects as well. Um, so I, I can kind of understand the flip side of that and I don't know like what the happy medium is, um, that would make this better or like make it so that coaches could also provide social support and teachers could also like provide more holistic support. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't, I don't have an answer. I mean, if I didn't yeah. have an answer, I would not be like a PhD student. I would be making lots of money doing something else. <laughs> I think what a, part of what they talked about is that, especially on the coach end, that they need more of a support structure um, probably with the rest of their staffing. So I think this is probably going to translate into having um, assistant coaches or I, I don't know what the other coaches are, the goalkeeper coach, the defense coach, the offense coach, the, the head it with your head coach. I'm not good at, the, I'm not good at, I'm not good at coach names guys, but whatever the coaches are, like whatever their support staff is, then maybe they have more versatility because they're not taking on that head coach role. And by the time they get to head coach, then they would also have this, but maybe they have more of a background in sports psychology. Maybe they have more of a background in um, counseling or even like negotiations, like stuff like that, where you have to have these open discussions with a wide variety of interested parties. Um, I think it was interesting that they talked about that need for the coaches to be surrounded by people who could then, take on different roles uh, for the student. And that's definitely gonna come as support staff. And if that's part of, if that becomes part of coaches training, then as you come up the ranks and become a head coach, like you will have some of these skills and you can share them with others. Like it just, it's a, it's like a snowball. Do you know what I mean? It starts off really small because you have like one little thing, but as you roll it down the hill, soon you have this giant thing that exists. Like it just, it can grow upon itself so easily. You just have to start somewhere. And I think that might be the problem is that these suggestions seem like they're such big pie in the sky things. And you're like, oh my gosh, how can I even tackle this? Let's just change some of the training that we do for the hit it on the head coach, right? Let's start there. He's the most important one, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. That hit it on the head coach. Um, I knew it. Uh, for I mean, this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but there was a gigantic eye roll at that point. Um, uh, but Rude. but actually, <laughs> one of the other things that I was thinking about as you were saying that, Liz, is like I wonder, right? There are such hierarchies that exist in all organizations, but especially within coaches, and I wonder, like the degree to which. Um, there's accountability for like if you're taking some of this like psychological and social responsibility support responsibility off of the head coach I wonder like who is holding that head coach accountable to not say things that are destructive or um, you know that are not kind of like holistically supporting players um, 
Yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know what that would look like also, but I wonder if just, like, creating a uh, culture that, like, someone is going to hold the head coach accountable um, in the sense of, hey, coach, you know, like, you said this thing, perhaps it would be better to, like, say this thing because this is, like, a more holistic response or, you know, if this is, if a holistic response and if holistic support is the point if that's what we're trying to aim for, especially for youth athletes, um, you know, you know, I wonder if that would be better received by coaches, um, specifically head coaches. Yeah, I also wonder if it's something that you have to, I think that part of it's going to be you have to acknowledge where you don't meet a certain standard and where you need someone who can compliment you. So that when you're having a conversation, you can acknowledge, I think it goes a long way to acknowledge that I'm going to say something and it's not going to make perfect sense. And I don't know how to explain this well, but Coach Bob or Coach Bethany knows exactly what I'm talking about and like they can get into the nitty gritty. But I want you to know like this is what I want you to focus on and I know that I have a failing here, but this is who you can go to to get the next part of your answer. So I don't know that you have to be, um, I don't know, well-rounded is the wrong word. You do need to be well-rounded, but you don't have to be the center of knowledge if you can acknowledge your shortcomings, which is something that I think most people need to be able to do. Yeah, exactly. You know, having a a good self-awareness and knowing your um, areas of expertise and gaps, exactly what you were saying. And then I think approaching all this with humility, um, which translates to so many other areas of life right certainly not just just coaching um right there is one thing i did want to point out that made me very angry about this paper and it wasn't because of their research or what they said about their suggestions it was something that they found because of this paper they're part of the reason that coaches and parents and teachers were dismissive of the female athletes wanting to pursue a career in soccer was because even for males of the same age and skill level, those males had far more opportunities to succeed and get paid for their talent, where these female athletes not only didn't have an opportunity to get paid as female athletes, they didn't even have an opportunity to go into coaching and turn that into a career because of the uh, disparity in how females are treated as coaches and that is infuriating and obviously something that needs addressed yeah i i noticed that also and i was like oh my gosh and you know they were even like oh and they could come to america blah 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 and I, or i'm like yeah female like adult female professional soccer players barely get paid anything here too which is like a whole issue in and of itself Um, but yeah, no, it was just like infuriating and, ugh, yes, no, I, I, I don't really have words because you just said all the things. So, but yes, I agree. It's awful. And we should do something. What are we going to do, Liz? What are we going to do? We have to start with one step. I mean, if you want female players to be able to be played this or paid the same, then we have to find a way to start with getting them the same kind of promotion and opportunities so that the game earns as much as a male counterpart. So whatever that is, find one little step you can take. And then after the first step, every other step is a little bit easier. But if you look at it as like a whole problem, 
like it's it seems nearly impossible because how do you take a sport that was never developed and never promoted and never marketed to an entire population and say well you guys are going to get paid the same and we're just going to take all of the profits from your male counterparts and divide those in half and then you know just like it does it is it's arbitrarily lower their pay because you want to make a sweeping social change i'm not saying that the sweeping social change isn't worth it but you have to go about it properly so that you don't lose what you already have but you gain something better so just they need to find one step they can take to make this more equal for support and pay yes no i totally agree and i may uh insert a little um thing at the end of our episode because uh that will do a better job explaining this but uh there was a recent um episode of the freakonomics podcast that was talking about uh reparations for african americans um but it was talking about that at the beginning of soccer in england um female soccer was actually better attended than male soccer and um the FA, which is the, the football association in England, uh, banned female soccer because they didn't want it competing and, like, being more popular than male soccer. Um, and so they banned it for decades. Um, and, and now female soccer in England and around the world is so much further behind. And so there is a group of people out there that is seeking reparations for uh in some kind of way for female soccer but essentially like doing a lot more to promote um female soccer uh within the uk which um well anyway that's exactly what it was but we'll we'll definitely like link the freakonomics episode um in the show notes so that people can can access that as well so I think we talked about the main salient points of this paper. What's your like last super lasting thought? Like what really stuck with you that you think you're going to take forward in making soccer better? I think I think for me the big thing from this paper is just that for all athletes, but I think especially for um, adolescent athletes and, and female athletes in particular, it really has to be this holistic supportive system for these players. Uh, I think it's just so critically important that, um, we as fans, as parents, as coaches, you know, whatever the case may be, supporters, uh, that we really find ways to holistically support these athletes. Um, and really allow them to do what they want to do. And if they want to pursue, you know, further, um, you know, education, then that's great. If they want to really pursue soccer, then we should, you know, support them in that, you know, again, if they have the talent to do so. Um, so, yeah, I think that was the, the big thing that stuck out for me. What stuck out for you, Liz? I think based on the age of these athletes, my big takeaway was maybe taking a more pointed look at how our education system works and how we can make a better balance for student athletes so that they can succeed in both arenas um, and not be punished either by having to lose one of these options or 
um, if there's like, you know, an additional year or something or some additional education, that there's not a stigma attached to taking that approach in order to succeed in both areas. So I think that there are things that we could do to change our um, scholastic options for students to give them a better chance of succeeding on and off the field. Absolutely. All right, Liz. Well, this has been another episode of Soccer Better. Uh, Thank you so much for recommending this great uh, article, and I can't wait to see what we have next. We're going to keep going, guys. You're, You're not done with us. You're stuck with us now. All right. Bye, Liz. Bye, Laura Ellen. Thank you to our host, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN covers teams across the MLS, USL Championship, and USL League One. Check out podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. You can follow us on Twitter at BGN Soccer Better. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Otherwise, let us know what you think about today's show and be sure to share it with a friend. Thanks, everyone. Remember, you can always soccer better. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.